Man, my holiday bills are almost as hard to get rid of as my in-laws. I guess my budget will be my New Year's resolution again. Hi there, friendly S&T banker here. The aftermath of the holidays can be tough. Have you thought about using the equity in your home to consolidate your debt? I can do that? Yep. Home equities are one of the lowest cost financing options. At S&T Bank, we can help you so you can have a financial fresh start. Stop by a branch or visit stbank.com to learn more. S&T Bank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? It is high noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Wesley Euler rocking and rolling with you here solo on the program. On this Thursday afternoon, our last show of the week, tomorrow travel day, right? So I'll be getting on a plane at this time to head to Indianapolis, of course, ahead of Steelers Colts 430 there at Lucas Oil Stadium in one of America's great cities, fabulous Indianapolis, Indiana. And we have got a lot to get to today. We're going to catch up with our buddy Brian Backo, get his thoughts on the game. I'll give you my weekly show me the money picks. We got to do stranger stats about an hour from now. But it begins today with the way that I like to uh, scout our upcoming opponents, particularly when I'm in here solo on the show. A little three things on a Thursday. Rolls off the tongue so fittingly, doesn't it? Three Steelers likes, three Steelers dislikes about how the team is playing right now, right? These are supposed to be a week-to-week basis thing. Necessarily not overarching likes and dislikes, but specific ones as to what we've seen lately, what we're going through right now. Same things for the Colts. Three likes, three dislikes, a little three things Thursday to get started now let's flip a coin I'm going to do this in real time okay heads we'll start with the Steelers tails we'll start with the Colts all right here we go tails we're starting with the Colts three likes about the Colts we'll start with the positives for those guys in the blue and white uh number one their offense at home now, we know this is the case for a lot of teams in the NFL, right? They um, they perform differently at home as they do on the road. We talked about that with the Browns, right? Browns' defense is nasty in Cleveland. They're pretty good away from home, but they ain't the same beast that they are there by the lake at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Kind of the same with the Colts' offense. Their offense on the road has, has done an all right job, but at home, particularly as of late, They've been very good. Indianapolis' last three games at home at Lucas Oil Stadium, their offense has scored 27 points, 27 points, and 38 points in their last three home games. That's winning football right there. You know, particularly when you consider a lot of the losses that they've dealt with this season, that's impressive. 
They are a team that at home in the friendly confines there of Lucas Oil, in that dome, in that beautiful stadium, they found a way to score some points. 27, 27, 38 in their last three. That offense has been humming with that home field advantage. That's number one uh, thing to, to like, thing that the Colts have going for them right now. Number two, you can't talk about the Colts and not talk about Quentin Nelson. One of the best guards in football. He's been in the league for six years. He's been an all-pro five times. Um, He's just one of the best guards in football, one of the best offensive linemen, period, in football. 27 years old, kind of right in the peak of his prime of his career right now. He's a big reason why. It doesn't matter if it's Jonathan Taylor. doesn't matter if it's Zach Moss. doesn't matter if it's, you know, Naheem Hines like it was a couple years ago. As long as he's been there, they've been able to run the ball effectively. It hasn't really mattered who the running back has been. Now, obviously, with Jonathan Taylor healthy, when they've had him at his best, that's when their run game has been at its best. But even when he's been injured, even when he had a contract situation that kept him out of some games to start this season, they've still been able to run the ball effectively. A big part of that is just their commitment to the run game and how they've built that offensive line as a whole. But make no mistake about it, the anchor of that the straw that stirs that drink, the captain of that unit is Quentin Nelson. Arguably the best guard in football, one of the best offensive linemen in football, only in year six and aging like fine wine so far. Yeah, he's really good. He's a lot of fun to watch play too. Nasty physical guy. And uh, like I said, big part of the reason that even without John Taylor on Saturday, I got a feeling the Colts are going to be able to run the football effectively. Quentin Nelson, second thing that I like about the Colts that they have going for them right now. And really, I mean, this is an easy one. We could do this, throw him in there every single time that Indianapolis and Pittsburgh meet. Number three. Now, this is a little intangible one as we wrap up what the Colts are doing well at the moment. And it's maybe a little cliched as well, too, but it's true. It's just their overall team resiliency. Walk on this one with me real quick. Hold my hand here. Take this journey. If I would have told all of Yins out there before the season started, hey, the Indianapolis Colts, they're going to lose Anthony Richardson, their quarterback and fourth overall pick early on in the season. He's only going to play a couple games, and then he's going to be out the rest of the year. Jonathan Taylor is going to miss the first couple of games because of a contract situation, then have to get up to speed and, and get back and you know get his legs underneath of him. Knock off that rust, get in football shape, get back ingrained with the team, all that stuff. And then he's going to end up getting hurt, having to have surgery. Oh, and Shaq Leonard, Darius Shaq Leonard, who's been one of the best linebackers in football over the past decade, who's been the anchor of that defense for a long time, is going to get released in the middle of the season. If I would have told you all those things, barely any Anthony Richardson, barely any Jonathan Taylor, Shaq Leonard getting released midseason, You'd be like, man, the Colts uh, Colts are going to compete for the number one overall draft pick. Colts are going to be picking in the top five again. Here they are at seven and six and in a playoff position, just like the Steelers if the season ended today. It's impressive. The Colts have every reason to have bottomed out this season, you know, to be having a Carolina-type season, 
a New England or an Arizona type season, right? Where you're only winning one, two, three games, something like that. A Washington Commanders type season. But they're not. They have a winning record. They're right in the thick of the thing things, just like the Steelers. And you got to tip your cap to them when you consider, when you look at the big picture with this team. Lost their quarterback, what, first day of October, October 1st, I think in the fourth or fifth week of the season, you lose your QB. Your best offensive weapon, Jonathan Taylor, started the season late, had to get up to speed, then got hurt. And the guy who has been the stalwart for your defense and one of the best at his position in the league for five or six years got released from the team midseason. Despite all that, they're seven and six. Credit to that new coaching staff. Credit to a guy like Gardner Mishu and what he's been able to do. But that's a resilient team. That's a resilient group. And it's impressive when you consider all that they've navigated, that they are 7-6. and six. They are still in a postseason position. They are still in control of their playoff destinies. It's impressive. So three Colts likes. The offense at home, 27-27 and 38 points scored in their last three games. Quentin Nelson, maybe the best guard in football, one of the best offensive linemen in the entire league. And just their team resiliency. They've lost Anthony Richardson. They barely had Jonathan Taylor. They've lost Shaq Leonard. Yet here they still are in a playoff position and playing for their playoff uh, destiny and control and fate, despite having a lot of reasons to have bottomed out this season. How about three Colts dislikes then? All right, let's talk some trash on these guys. Uh, 20 giveaways on offense. That's too much. That's almost double what the Steelers have. The Steelers are giving the ball away 11 times on the season. 20 giveaways in Indianapolis in 13 games. That's gonna that's gonna cost you at some point. And and I mean it has in some of their losses. But they give the ball away almost twice as much as the Steelers do. And when you're an offense that doesn't have your feature running back, when you're an offense that's been banged up at quarterback, that ain't a recipe to have success. It's impressive that they are sitting at seven seven and six despite giving the ball away so much, but that's one of those things that has cost them and can cost them games. Twenty giveaways. Almost double the Steelers at 11. Second is, you know, I talked a little bit about Darius Shaq Leonard there, and uh, he was a guy that Moats and I are huge fans of. He's dealt with some injuries over the last year, hasn't quite been the same. The Colts released him this year. He's now with the Eagles. Uh, make no mistake about it, when he is healthy and going, he's one of the best linebackers in the entire National Football League. He was a huge part of that organization and that defense for so long. So was Bobby Okariki. Another really good Pro Bowl type linebacker uh, who the Colts drafted both of those guys around the same time. They had the luxury of those guys growing and being, you know, just generals in the middle of the field for that defense. Now they're both gone. And they've, you've seen that turnover. You've seen that uh, departure of two stalwarts in the middle of their defense. And they're going to be hard guys to replace. They have been hard guys to replace. We've gone through that at times in Steelerland, right? trying to replace tandems like Farrier and Foot, trying to replace a guy like Ryan Shazier in the tandem that he had with Vince Williams, it can be tough. Linebackers are such an important position, and it's hard to find the the elite guys, the upper crust guys, and to particularly have multiple of them. And the Colts did until recently. Now they do not, and you can see that in their defense. And the third indie dislike is their defense has given up the fourth most points per game allowed in the league. They 
again, it's it's a credit to their resiliency that the Colts are seven and six, that the Colts are in a playoff position, that they do have their playoff fate in their own hands still. Because a a lot of things on paper don't look good for this team. Their offense is is bang average in, in every category in the league. Their offense ranks in the teens. Their defense ranks in the twenties in most categories in the league. They're giving the ball away too often. They're giving up the fourth most points per game allowed in the entire NFL. And they're still at seven and six. But those are those type of things that cost you. You can't get away with it forever, right? A lot of what we talked about with the Steelers, um, particularly after those back-to-back games in Ohio, is, you know, that's a tough way to live. It's going to bite you sometimes like it does in Cleveland. You'll get away with it like you do sometimes in Cincinnati, but that's a tough way to live. And the Steelers had done a lot of that, you know, hanging in in games and winning them in the last moment throughout this season. They had, you know, until Cleveland, what, had won nine straight one-score games, I believe it was. But eventually, that bites you. Eventually, that catches up with you, and you lose a game like, you know, maybe the New England game that you shouldn't have. And that can happen to the Colts, too, when you're allowing the points that they do on defense, when you're giving the ball away like they do on offense. It's a bad combination. It's cost them a few times this season, and hopefully the Steelers can make it cost them on Saturday. So three Colts dislikes the turnover of the stalwarts of the captains of that defense. Leonard and Okariki gone from the linebacker ranks. 20 giveaways on the year for the offense. That's almost double what the Steelers have at 11. And then the defense surrendering the fourth most points per game in the entire league. So let's take a look at the Steelers now as we roll along here. Remember, this is three things Thursday as we set the table for the upcoming matchup, our little advanced scouting report here, if you will. Let's start. You know what? Let's do it opposite for the Steelers. Let's start dislikes first, and then we'll close with likes. We'll close on a positive note. Steelers dislike number one is just the the run game maybe losing its identity Thursday night against New England. Uh, the run game had been one of the things that this offense had going for it. You know, that really started in Cleveland and carried into Cincinnati, carried into Arizona. But that was not the case uh, with just 82 yards on Thursday against the Patriots. you got to get that moving in the, in the right direction. I mean, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know if we've made enough deal about this because there's been a lot of other things to dissect and discuss. Do you know who the Steelers' leading rusher was on Thursday against New England? It was Mitch Trubisky. Not... Najee Harris, not Jalen Warren, not even Calvin Austin because he took a jet sweep for 60 or 70 yards or something like that, a big play, 40, 50-yard gain for Calvin Austin. No, it was Mitch Trubisky with 30 yards rushing. He was the Steelers' leading rusher against the Patriots last Thursday. That can't happen. The run game has to be the strength of this offense. The run game has to be the bread and butter of this offense. The run game, in a lot of ways, has to carry this offense and, and create opportunity for the pass game. Najee and Jalen were playing at a high clip there for a few weeks in a row. The offensive line was looking better in the run game there for a few weeks in a row. They took a step back last Thursday, a week ago today, about a week ago, a week ago. So much so that Mitch Trubisky was the leading rusher. That can't happen. That's the first Steelers dislike is how after a lot of positivity, the run game took a step back last week. Second thing, and this ties into, these both tie in together as they always do in this ecosystem that is football. The Steelers have the second worst red zone touchdown percentage in the NFL. 
meaning they score the second least amount of touchdowns in the entire league when they get into the red zone. Only the Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 are worse than the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's one thing to have an offense that isn't lighting it up, isn't airing it out, isn't scoring a ton of points, isn't gaining a ton of yards, run game, pass game, copacetic, all that stuff. It's another to have an offense that is struggling and then not succeed when you get down into the red zone. When you don't move the ball very well, you got to take advantage of those opportunities. Heck, this is part of the reason why you finally had that 400-plus yard offensive outburst against Cincinnati and you still only scored 16 points because you're not scoring touchdowns often enough in the red zone. Second worst touchdown percentage in the red zone in the NFL. Only the New York Jets are worse. Got to get that moving in the right direction. That's been a problem now. for That dates back to the end of Ben's tenure. 2019, I still remember. 2018, the Steelers had one of the best red zone offenses in the NFL. 2019, one of the worst. And that was easy to understand and excuse in the moment because, oh, your franchise quarterback, your future Hall of Famer, Ben Roethlisberger, went down to injury in the second game of the season. Okay, well, yeah, of course your red zone offense is going to struggle when you're playing your backup and your third string quarterbacks for 14 games. But 2020, those issues were still there with Ben back and with a Steelers team that started 11-0. 20 and 21, they were still there. 2022, they were still there. This year, they're still there. They have struggled in the red zone now for the fourth or fifth straight season. And that's one area where you can really help yourself when you're struggling on offense. Hey, we don't move the ball great, but you know what? When we get down there, into the shadow of the opponent's end zone, we take advantage. But the Steelers have been having the... uh, the double whammy, the double negative in that regard. And in this case, a double negative does not make a positive. In fact, it really hurts you. That's number two. Number three is just quarterback play. I mean, I ain't breaking any news on this one. I'm not landing on the moon. I'm not doing something we've never seen before, but it's just the truth. You can't talk about what the Steelers, you you can't talk about the areas that the Steelers are struggling as a team right now and not mention quarterback play. It's been that way for, you know, Cincinnati aside, it's been that way for a few weeks. Whether it was Kenny, whether it was Mitch, whether we end up seeing the red-nosed reindeer here as we get close to Christmas. Quarterback play's got to be better across the board. Whether it's Kenny, whether it's Mitch, those are the two main ones, right? We obviously haven't seen Mason in a long time, and barring injury or just something crazy, I don't think we will. you got to get better play under center from the QB position in the National Football League to score points and win games. And it was helpful that Kenny wasn't turning the football over. But you need more than that. And then Mitch has kind of been the opposite, right? He'll take a few more risks. He'll throw it downfield a little bit more, but he turns the ball over more. Neither of those recipes are going to consistently uh, have you be in where the Steelers want to be. You might be able to win eight or nine games a year playing like that. But isn't that what drives everybody crazy? All the new standard is nine wins. You want to get back to the old standard of division titles and playoff wins and contending for Super Bowls, you have to get better quarterback play. Point blank, period. And against a Colts defense that allows the fourth most points per game in the National Football League, maybe this is a week. 
to see some better play under center. So three dislikes about the Steelers currently, the quarterback play, the run game being down against the Patriots, only 82 yards. Mitch Trubisky, the leading rusher uh, after what had looked like an improvement from, from the run game, and then second-worst red zone touchdown percentage in the NFL. Steelers likes as we close this scatting segment down. Three things the Steelers are doing well, though. Number one, they're starting to get some rookies who ain't playing like rookies anymore. And I mean that in a good way. Joey Porter Jr. doesn't look like a rookie out there anymore. Things are slowing down for him. He's being asked to do more. He's taking that responsibility. He's taking that opportunity, and he's succeeding with it. We've seen him shut down some really talented wide receivers. Joey Porter Jr. has. He's going to have to do that again on Saturday against Michael Pittman Jr. We got the battle of the juniors, baby. JPJ ain't playing like a rookie anymore. Neither is Keanu Benton. Keanu Benton is, man, looks like a man possessed. Looks like a guy who is going to give offensive lines HE double hockey sticks for a decade in this league. Got to love what you're seeing from those two on the defensive side. I think we've seen it in flashes from Broderick Jones. Now, he took him a little bit longer to get out there, right, than those two guys that I just mentioned and Joey Porter Jr. and Keanu Benton, the two second-round picks. We've seen it from Broderick Jones in flashes. Maybe now down the stretch here is where it starts to come together for Big Broad. But you're starting to get to that point where, okay, hey, these guys aren't rookies anymore. They've played a longer season than they ever have in their lives before. Maybe not Broderick Jones. He played a lot of games at Georgia. I mean, they went 15-0, and right? So he played a 15-game season. But you're starting to get to that point where, you know, you play 12 games, maybe 13 in college. You know, you, you, you are now at that point. This is your 14th game of the regular season. You're not a rookie anymore. You had a season under your belt. It's time to start showing that growth. It's time for it all to start coming together, and it has for JPJ and Benton, and I'm cautiously optimistic that we're getting there for Broderick Jones as well. Second thing to like about the Steelers, their response so far after letdowns. Now, Thursday night against the Patriots, withstanding from this conversation, because I realized that was not the response that we wanted to see after a disappointing effort against the Cardinals a few days earlier. But, you know, they went out, to start the season, and they got their butts handed to them by San Francisco, the best team in the NFL. They responded at home on Monday night the next week, taking care of business against Cleveland. One of the, you know, the defense scoring two touchdowns in, in, in one of those gotta-have-it type games, can't start the year 0-2. The offense with some big splash plays, the 71-yard touchdown to George Pickens. They responded well after San Francisco came back against Cleveland. Houston, right, went down there to Texas, and C.J. Stroud and the boys, Handed their, kicked their butts, handed their butts to them, whatever we're doing with the butts. How did they respond? They came back home against Baltimore, the team that is the number one seed in the AFC right now, and took care of business and beat a really good Ravens team. Cleveland, we go to Cleveland, one of the worst games of the season. Maybe Kenny Pickett's worst game as a starter in the NFL. How do they respond? They have over 400 yards against Cincinnati. They have their best game as the offense. The defense does what they do and puts the clamps down and forces a crucial turnover in a crucial moment when the Bengals were driving with a chance to extend that lead. Their response after letdowns, again, Thursday night against New England. Let's just leave that one out for now because it suits my narrative here. (laughs) Has been encouraging. Let's hope they can do that again. And then third and final like about the Steelers, I think you guys will like this one. I love what Minka Fitzpatrick said. I love his attitude. I love his leadership. I love Minka calling guys out while not being specific. I think that's what leaders do. Leaders can send a message without throwing a single person or a couple people under the bus. 
And when Minka said, I think there's a lot of guys who just come here and they think they're going to put on the black and gold and win games, make no mistake about it, that was a clear message. Like, in his mind, he knows who he's talking about. And when the guys in the locker room hear that, they know who he's talking about. I loved that from Minka. You know why? Because he can talk the talk. He can back it up. When he says something like that, when a guy like Mink Mink says something like that, when a guy like Felipe, as Wolf likes to call him, says something like that, everyone hears it. You may listen to Jimmy, but you're not hearing Jimmy. Oh, you're hearing Minka when he talks. That was a white man can't jump reference for those of you at home keeping track. So those are the three likes about the Steelers. Rookies that are starting to not play like rookies anymore, particularly JPJ and Keanu Benton. The response that they've had, for the most part, this season after letdown. San Francisco coming back against Cleveland. Houston coming back and beating Baltimore. Cleveland going back to Ohio and beating Cincinnati. And then what we heard from Minka Fitzpatrick in that attitude, that leadership of kind of calling some guys out while not throwing anybody under the bus this past week. That, I think, was much needed at that time. And I'm hopeful that it's going to roll over and translate well into Saturday. So there you go. Little three things Thursday to get us started. There is your first course here on a uh, Thursday afternoon. Going to take a break. On the other side, Mitch Trubisky spoke. Some things he talked about that I want to discuss there is we'll have our little quarterback moment like we do on the show every single day. We'll get to some of your tweets as well, too. You know where to get at me if you want to get involved, at Wesley Euler on Twitter, on X. I'll take your questions, your comments, your concerns, your reactions. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Blitzing here on a Thursday. Plenty to get to. We'll do a little show me the money to close down the first hour in a few minutes. I'll give you my picks of the week. Yes, after like four straight weeks of going two and two with my picks, I picked an odd amount of games this week. So we can't have ties, baby. I guess I could push, and then there would still technically be a tie. But in theory, we can't have ties, baby. Odd number of picks this week for the Pick'em. We'll catch up with our buddy Brian Backo in about 50 minutes as well, too. Uh, get those prediction tweets in. Get all your tweets in. I uh, will get to those as we roll along. But first things first here, Mitch Trubisky, he is the Steelers uh, QB1 at this moment, as Kenny Pickett is still uh, ruled out with his injury. So, Uh, You know, about this time, every single week, we like to hear from the quarterbacks what they have to say. And, you know, Mitch Trubisky, I I think he's going to look better on Saturday than he did on Thursday. You know, there's, there's quite a difference in getting ready for your first start of the season on a short week as opposed to now having a couple extra days even. I know the game for the Steelers is on Saturday, but they last played on Thursday, so that is still a little bit longer than you would typically have from game to game. It's it's hard to get a lot of reps in a short week as a new quarterback. You're just not doing much in those short weeks. Now, though, an elongated week, more of an opportunity. And Mitch kind of talked about that, how he thinks a full week of work is going to be helpful. Here's what the QB had to say. Mitch, uh, Mike Donald was saying yesterday that um, with a full week of practice as opposed to one day, we expect you to be 
better against uh, in Indy. Um, how much difference does obviously having a full week to prepare uh, help as opposed to what you had to do? It, it should help for sure. Um, we need the reps. I need the reps. Just allows me to continue to get comfortable in the offense and continue to work on timing with these guys and operating the offense. So a full week of work is is going to be helpful. Yeah, slow start. I got to be better on third downs. Um, got to execute better and just continue to get on the same page with these guys. Um, made some better plays in the second half, but it's got to be better this week. Do you feel like you used your, your legs enough in that game? Were there more opportunities there for you maybe to get some yards? You, you did it a few times. There, I, I feel like it was good at times. Uh, could always use more, but you just got to play that balance. Uh, more so looking at the, the plays I could have made with my arm and just continue to connect with those receivers and get on the same page of what we want to do execution-wise. Related to that, how do you kind of figure out the feel of when you need to break the pocket and, and run from that pressure and when it might be more beneficial to, to stay in the pocket and try to make the throw? Yeah, it's different each and every single play. You just got to trust your feet, uh, the timing of each play. And if it's not there, pull it down, protect the football. Uh, but sometimes you got to stay in there and deliver and make the throws. Did you feel like in the second half or as the game went on, you started to get yeah, once we started to move the ball um, and convert a third down or even skip a third down, um, create some rhythm in the second half, um, the, the takeaway and the big special teams play definitely helped. Um, and we're looking to build off those, those positive drives this week. Mitch, you told us last week that you we're looking forward to more time with the receivers. Having that game now and, and a little bit more practice time, what have you learned? How's that relationship growing? It's good. It's good. Open communication, um, just a lot to learn from. And a lot of it's timing and rep-wise. Um, and, and a, a full week is going to help with that. I would say Mason Cole, Najee, Allen Robinson, those guys have really stepped up, played a lot of ball, um, have played a lot of good football for us this year. So those guys are definitely talking to the group and, and really it's just everyone, just making sure your voice is heard. Um, guys getting on the same page and making sure everyone's hands in the pile and we're moving in the same direction. So uh, we're just looking forward to correcting the mistakes and having a better week this week. We just got to take it one week at a time, and we're focused on the Colts right now. Mitch, when you look back at the third and two play, fourth and two play, uh, anything uh, in retrospect that we got the obvious that could have made, made those plays work or what didn't work? Uh, I would say just better timing on my part and then, and, then, and then making the plays. Mitch, what's the feeling in the locker room like right now, especially I know you don't necessarily want to compare season to season, but this time last year you guys were surging over the last half of the season. Is there a different – or, or mentality in the locker room this time around? It can change week to week. I mean, obviously, we're coming off a loss, and that hurts. But uh, we got our head, head, head down and just ready to work right now. When you've been at your best, is there, has there been a correlation? Has there been a difference between seeing the rush and feeling the rush? Are you at your best when you're feeling it but seeing the rest of the field? Yeah, I would say that's a good assessment. Sometimes it's rhythm. Sometimes it's comfortability in the offense. Sometimes it's reps. Um, and I got to find that balance and, and get to the point where I am playing like that. Mitch, what do you think the first step is looking for solutions? I think it was 264 yards total on Thursday. Where do you start looking for those solutions, and how do you continue to do that this week? Faster start, uh, better on first and second down, and then obviously converting third downs and staying on the field. Um, I think it's that simple. Um, obviously, when, when there's a pass that's incomplete or a run that doesn't go for very much, we just look at it with, with open eyes. We make the corrections, and we move forward and just continue to go back to work. How much can be changed or tweaked, so to speak, you know, this late in the season compared to maybe you, know, you, you 
have that full week of prep, but how much can you actually change or tweak? It changes week to week on the game plan. I mean, we just we just got to have all 11 guys executing the same play and, and doing their jobs, and I think if we do that, we'll be fine. Get him the football, um, have open communication about what he's seeing versus what I'm seeing, and just continue to work on that timing. Well, Andrew, are, you, are you convinced that the, the guy, the other, especially some of your skill position guys, share the same level of urgency that, that the other guys that you mentioned yourself, Mason, uh, you know, Allen, have? Because Mike talked about you know, yesterday that there are some issues with frustrations, maybe not being channeled in the proper fashion. I know everybody cares, and I know everybody wants to win. So our we're, our focus is to make sure everybody's on the same page and go to work and, and have a great week. So we're focused on that. What do you do or say as a leader to make sure the right message gets through? Um, just talk. Just talk. Having those conversations about what I'm seeing versus what they're seeing, uh, what I'm feeling versus what they're feeling, and getting on the same page. At the end of the day, we want the same thing. We want to win ball games, um, and we want to help the team win. So we're having those conversations. Today was a productive day. We just got to continue to put our head down and work and, and, and finish this week strong. Is there a benefit to having the mini buy after the Thursday night game coming off of those two losses? I mean, are you able to evaluate and tweak more maybe than you would be able to normally on a normal game week? Um, I don't think so. I think. I know me personally, I was eager to get back to work and, and get back to practice with these guys. So we were able to watch on the film and, and kind of sit on that um, and, and then rest our bodies. But I, I was ready to get back to work. And I think having a full week should help us this week. Mitch, do you have to, do you have to resist um, during that period looking back and thinking that, oh, maybe you squandered a good opportunity going one and three? Or do you have to put that behind you and just focus about where you are and what lies ahead? You got to focus on what's, what's in front of you. Um, you, you can't let the the last game affect the next game, just like you can't let the last play affect the next play. So it's it's just that mentality that you learn from it and move on and then just full steam ahead. Is it hard to do? It is. It is. But uh, when you're around long enough, you you know that's that's what it takes in order to um, win the next week. You said, you said when you're around long enough, because you've been around longer than some of the guys that you know, you're playing with, you, you go to them and help explain or have Alan explain to those guys sort of like this is what the process is in terms of emotionally getting past a setback mm -hmm. prepared to play. I think we all share those experiences. Um, everybody has, has different experiences, but it's it's a week-to-week -week league. So we we didn't finish the way we wanted to last week, and we have a new opportunity to correct that. Is it, you were younger in your career, starting out for year, first couple years. How did you get past that? What was your kind of message when you talked Um. Just put the put put the game behind you and move on to the next. I mean, it's it's a week to week league, like I said, and and, and every given Sunday it could go it could go either way. Um, so you just got to continue to put your head down, work, um, and and fight for every single wins. You can't change the past. You got to stay in the present and just continue to get better and, and focus on that. Is that one of the hardest things to learn as a newer, younger player, especially you know if you come from a program that's winning a lot and you come to the NFL and it's maybe not so easy and it's more of a roller coaster a longer season. Losing is not fun. I mean, it's not easy. Nobody wants to do it. Um, like I said, we had a tough week. We corrected our mistakes. We're trying to have a better week this week, and, and we're working. Um, uh, I thought we had a productive day. I like where everybody's at. And so we're just, we're just talking about how we can move forward and, and how we can win this Saturday. What stands out to you about Indy? Uh, they got a great defensive front. Um, they do a great job taking the ball away, and they've gotten after the quarterback. Um, so they got, they got a lot of good players, and we got a good challenge for us on Saturday. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. They got a bunch of guys. I think with five plus sacks each, 
Um, so multiple guys that can get off the uh, get after the quarterback, and they've done a lot of good things taking the football away. So we got a good challenge for us, and uh, looking forward to it. Mitch, do you sense your teammates share your, your eagerness to kind of get back at it? I do. I do. I think I, th- I think we're ready to go back to work. Mitchell Trubisky, Mitchell David Trubisky, if you want his full government name, at the podium there yesterday, uh, looking focused, looking ready to go, as this whole team better be. Listen, you uh, you take it on the chin twice like they did at home last week, and then you got to wait, what, nine days until your next opportunity to kind of um, make things right? You better be ready to go. And hopefully, I think, uh, uh, cautiously optimistic that we're going to see a better Mitch Trubisky. This team, this offense needs to see better quarterback play, regardless of who's under center. And it is a Colts defense that, yes, you heard Mitch talk about it there. They've got some talent on that defensive front. It's the National Football League. Every team, every unit has some talent. But this Colts defense, I think, can also be had. We talked about at the top of the hour. They've given up the fourth most points per game in the National Football League uh, this season. Let's go out there. Let's get it done. Let's look more like the offense that we saw in Cincinnati and less like the ones that we saw against Arizona and New England at home last week. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler. That's where you can get at me. That's where you can get involved. We'll get to some of your tweets on the other side. I'll also give you my picks of the week as we close down the first hour of the show. It is the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Final segment of the first hour, our final Steelers Blitz of the week here is during the show tomorrow. Oh, there won't be one because I'll be on a plane on my way to Indianapolis, Cousins. Yes, one of my favorite places to go, one of the great American cities in my book. To be fair, there's not a lot of places in this great country that I don't like going. They had a couple cities in mind that I don't love going to, but I wouldn't say that I hate them. But I do really like Indianapolis, and I feel like I spend a decent amount of time there. You know, get to spend a week there, you know, five days every single February for the Combine, and this is now the second straight year that the Steelers have played in Indy as well, too. So Indy's one of those cities... Feels like a home away from home in a lot of ways. Spent a lot of time there in my life. Got it all down. All the best spots. All the best food. All the best drank. All the best everything. And uh, I do always enjoy Indianapolis. And I will uh, enjoy spending a couple days there here tomorrow and Saturday. And hopefully, as Devin and Denver would say, eating their food, drinking their liquor, kissing their people, woo! And coming back with a big old W. Before we uh, close down, wrap up this first hour of the program, it is time to give my weekly picks, our weekly pick them segment. Simple concept. It's a little thing we call show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. All right. Like I said, I went with three picks this week because I the last three or four weeks, I have had a two and two record. I'm 23 and 26 on the year. So just a couple games under 500. I'm trying to get back into the win column, back over 500 here, and 
these two and two weeks just ain't been cutting it. So I picked three games this week. Only one of them has the potential to tie. So hopefully I will at least be a winner or more of a loser when we, re- when we recap these picks next week. First one, Vikings travel to Cincinnati. These are two teams that have been up and down. But one thing that I know about Minnesota is they're playing really good defense. They just won a game 3 nothing. if you missed it. One thing I know about the Bengals is that their offense has been playing a little bit over their head. I think Browning comes back down to earth. I think Minnesota continues to struggle to move the ball. The over-under for that game is 39-and-a-half. Give me the under. Final score, 20-17, to 17, something like that. But the under at 39-and-a-half I think is a smart bet in that game. That's a little high. I, I think Browning comes back down to earth. Like I said, I think Minnesota continues to struggle on the offensive side of the football. So Vikings at Bengals, give me the under 39-and-a-half points. Falcons, if you listen to show me the money throughout the year, you know, early in the season, the Falcons did me uh, a lot of favors. I had like three or four straight weeks where I picked a Falcons game and and had success in the outcome, and then it went the opposite way, and I kind of stayed away from Atlanta. Well, they're in Carolina against the worst team in the league, one that is in chaos right now, a, a, a franchise in crisis. Falcons are three-point favorites. I think they go there and take care of business. They don't blow out the Panthers, but they win by six. They win by seven. They win by nine, something like that. Give me Atlanta minus three on the road in Carolina. And finally, I wish Arthur Motes was here for this one because he would appreciate this. The fighting Arthur Motesies. Well, I guess that's JMU. The Buffalo Bills. They're playing better football. They've got the Cowboys coming to Buffalo, a Cowboys team that's feeling hot, a Bills team off a big win that's desperate now and needs to stack some wins. This is a five-star matchup. The Bills are slight favorites. They're like one-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm just going to take the Bills to win straight-up money line over the Cowboys. It says a lot that a 7-6 and six Bills team is actually – uh, favored over a 10-3 and three Cowboys game team. I know the game is in Buffalo, and that makes a huge difference. That is a real home field advantage in the National Football League. But I don't want to lay the point and a half because I think Buffalo might win this one 24-23, you know, something bizarre like that, 28-27. to 27. Give me the Bills straight up over them boys. Can't believe I just said that. I need to go. Get some mouthwash. So, my picks of the week, three of them for you. Vikings at Bengals under 39 and a half. Falcons, I'll lay the three points on the road in Carolina there in a little NFC South showdown. And then I'll take the Buffalo Bills straight up over the Cowboys in a five-star matchup between a Cowboys team that is rolling and a Buffalo team that is desperate. Those are my picks of the week. Show me the money. Show me the money! Hour two on the other side, Stranger Stats, Brian Backo, your tweets, your predictions, my predictions. It's all on the table when we return on SNR. Man, my holiday bills are almost as hard to get rid of as my in-laws. I guess my budget will be my New Year's resolution again. Hi there, friendly S&T banker here. The aftermath of the holidays can be tough. Have you thought about using the equity in your home to consolidate your debt? I can do that? Yep, home equities are one of the lowest cost financing options. At ST Bank, we can help you so you can have a financial fresh start. Stop by a branch or visit stbank.com to learn more. ST Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.